Welcome to The Difference, a podcast that sits at the intersection of politics and economics. I'm Dan O'Donnell. I handle the politics mostly. He's Dave Spano, president and CEO <laughs> mostly of I am, Annex. Yes. Yeah, mostly. He handles the economics mostly because you don't want to hear any financial advice from me. I <laughs> do think I know what I'm talking about, but you he's do. the professional. I am not. What I can professionally tell you, however, is that the world seems to be sitting on the precipice of something incredibly dark. It's yeah. not just that as we record this podcast, Dave, it appears that the Israeli invasion of Gaza is imminent, that Hamas is going to be taken out in toto, but we're sitting here wondering whether Hezbollah, whether Iran will join the fray, and in a very real sense, Dave, whether this could lead to a sort of proxy World War III. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I certainly hope not. And I hope, and then, by the way, the market is not acting like that. Oil prices are certainly behaving, you know, and there's obviously now two carriers, U.S. carriers over there. And, you know, but I will tell you, I was in Boston a lot, uh, most of last week, and they're not sympathizers, but they're also saying that, listen, Israel can't go in and kill their children either. And I thought, boy, that was really an interesting perspective is that Israel is going to push out Hamas out of Gaza. How are they going to do that? And I found it because you, you know where I stand on this thing, right? How are they going to handle that? And are they going to push out Hamas? They're just using them as human shields. And do now Palestinian children get killed? That was their perspective in an awfully liberal city. Well, and unfortunately, we do have evidence that there will be human shields that are being used because this is Hamas's M.O. They deliberately put their headquarters, all relevant military targets, in children's hospitals, in in areas that are in churches, in mosques, in areas that are populated by civilians. And this is unfortunately what I think the rest of the world is dealing with is a terrorist army— that has amassed power in a region that they are now using the territory they control to launch the most horrific terror attack and mass slaughter of Jewish people since the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And now Israel, and it just seems so foreign of me to have to say, Israel, which does have a right to defend itself, is going to do, I think, what it should have done long ago, and that's to eradicate a terrorist enemy. Mm-hmm. Now, when we when we hear these pleas for peace and proportional responses, I always have to chuckle to myself. What is a proportional response to people who will behead children, yep. rape Disgusting. underage girls, and then parade them through the streets before yep. summarily executing them, yep. rip the elderly out of their homes at dawn, and burn them to death if they can't get them as hostages. That holds hundreds and hundreds of hostages, including that we it's know nauseating. of fifteen it's, Americans. It's not it's I mean, easy how do you, for even for you to say that. Right? How yeah. do you how do you even consider what is what is a proportional response to that? Right. No, what, yeah. what is? I mean, yeah. a proportional response would be the IDF literally kidnapping children from Gaza. Yep. In other words, what? The pro-Hamas, and unfortunately is a rather loud, vocal minority, the pro-Hamas crowd in this country and around the world, every atrocity it it supposes and pretends— How can you be a pro-terrorist? How can you be a pro-terrorist? I I don't know. But everything that they suppose Israel does and lies about what the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, do— 
Hamas is doing and doing it wide out. They, 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 they videotape the damn thing. Yep. So I guess I just question what is a proportional response here. Right. I don't think it's possible. And again, you started off with, you know, can they push out the Hamas or, or execute the Hamas? And, and then where do the Palestinians go? That's one. And but does Hezbollah get involved? What is Iran's obvious involvement? And and what happens with economically with the Straits of Hormuz because the Iranians control that and that becomes a chokehold. And if that spikes oil prices, then you have an economic issue as well. But as the time that we're talking about this, oil prices are stabilized earnings look good. And so the market is looking right through this. Now, five of the last six weeks have been negative. So maybe it's oversold. That's one of these things. But as these companies report their earnings, which they're going to do 10% of the S&P 500 this week alone, some of those Dow Jones stocks, big names, do they report earnings that are better than expected? That's the fundamentals. And I know you and I talk about macro events all of the time. But does the market look through that? If you've invested in ABC company and they have more sales, you know, so the revenues are higher and they have higher net income, so their profit is higher. Can we put a valuation on that? And if so, what's it worth? I mean, if you look over the S&P 500 year over year, it's up 15%. Might sound cynical to look through that when you're having these, these travesties happen, but this has happened and it's been going on. You can look at a chart since 100 years. And there's always been this wall of worry and economic issues that the market has crawled up if they can report better earnings and better profit. Why do you think we are seeing, even as it seems like the world is blowing up around us, as as you put it uh, when we were talking on the radio, we're seeing oil behaving, yep. right? Mm-hmm. I, I That was, to me, the biggest surprise and why this hints at a sort of broader global stability. Of course, all of this goes out the window if Iran decides that yep. it wants to, you know, open up a, a full World War III, right. then all bets are off. And I think we're looking at the deepest recession any of us have ever seen. But nonetheless, uh, why do you think there is this sort of signal about stability? Well, I think you look at what's happening, and it does Iran do that. You've got you now have two carriers, and you know so she's not only there, with, but all her supporting ships are there as well. And so when they're all there, they're in the no f around mode right now. So if you if this happens, and I think there's going to be a strike. I think you're going to get U.S. involvement. It could be quick and it could be short, and you would hope so. But that I think that's that's what the market is thinking right now is that this is just another unfortunate as it was as horrific and nauseating as it was this could be quick I think the Israelis just go in take care of business and what they do with Gaza after this I haven't the slightest idea what they're going to do with it once they eradicate Hamas I mean are they going to do make the same mistakes the United States made I don't know that's really a geopolitical conversation that's well, over and- my pay grade And this is sort of the problem with this idea of proportional response. I mean, this is the, 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 how should I put this without sounding crass? This is what happens when you don't enter wars to win them. When you've got, and I believe it is a very, very vocal, not even anti-war left, because holy cow, have they been pro-war with respect to Ukraine and Russia. But ever since Vietnam, it seems as though the United States has been, well, we have to be very... War is hell, right? You obviously have to be concerned about the civilian cost of said conflict. But ever since Vietnam, it seemed to me that we haven't gone in to any conflict 
with the idea that we need to do what's necessary to win. But even if they do that, Dan, my question is, and what I don't understand, is what's next. I don't think there's any question that the IDF is going to go and kick some ass. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Right. Right. What happens to that area once they're done? Are you just going to leave it in in rubble? I mean, are they going to go and try to build it up? Are they going to go back and occupy? I mean, I don't know. Right. And that that's really the question. I think. It really it, it unfortunately has to be, I think, some sort of occupation. Uh, and unfortunately, that's probably going to inflame the, the right. you know, pro Hamas, pro Palestinian crowd. And then you get Hamas 2.0 at that point. Right. Which, as we saw in Egypt, as we saw in Libya, invariably is more radical than the previous iteration of whatever it is that they call a government. And yes, I understand that. You know, the situation is is very fraught here. And this is why I'm saying this much more than what really is, I think, a sort of territorial dispute in Russia, which simply wants to recapture Ukraine because it believes it's ethnically and and culturally part of Russia. Doesn't want them on their border either. But let me let me ask you this question. How the heck did this happen? How did the Mossad I mean, how did Israel move? How did the United States miss this you know there was an article in cnn i don't know if you saw that's a it. great question but how did the u.s miss this i near as anyone can tell and this is actually quite the commentary on uh society do you know how they they planned this without being noticed apparently hamas used zero technology whatsoever yeah. nobody carried phones nobody no. carried no. computers watches anything where they could be digitally tracked there was nothing but that satellite, was... Satellite sees people moving around, right? Uh, apparently, it missed it. Yeah. I, I have no idea how specifically they did it, but everything that I've read was that they went dark. Well, they C- went C- completely CNN, dark. CNN said the White House knew. I don't know if you saw that. CNN, of all people, said the White House knew two weeks ago. I don't know, I'll, I'll dig that up and send it over to you. But Yeah, please do. I think I saw this over the weekend. I mean... Did they know that an attack was imminent? Did they know that an attack was coming specifically on October 7th? This is sort of the thing. And, of course, if the United States knew, you would think Israel knew as well. And at what point do you think, okay, well, an attack being imminent, because an attack is always sort of imminent. uh, Did they know it was going to be of this magnitude? Did they know it was going to be... In October, let alone that specific date. But it it does raise a very interesting question. How does the best fortified country in the world, because it's constantly on alert for this, miss this? Yep. Okay, here's another question for you, which I don't understand. What was the first thing that President Biden did uh, with with energy, right? And so where is this money coming? If if Iran supported this, where does Iran get their money? Right. And, and, and how do they get it? They get it through energy and in, in, in the six billion dollars. And, and I know that's a fiery question. But if we're energy independent. Right. Doesn't doesn't this go to how can they yes. fund, fund terrorist activities? Well, and that's the biggest miscalculation of all, I think, is to essentially empower Iran. And everybody's focused on the six billion dollars that was unfrozen in that yep. prisoner exchange just a couple of weeks ago. The real empowerment of the mullahs, the real empowerment of pretty much all of the world's bad actors in OPEC was when Biden came in. And even before he came in on the campaign trail, we are going to bankrupt America's oil industry. Essentially, he was telegraphing that we're going to become more energy dependent on Mm -hmm. those bad actors. 
And who do you think benefits from that? Rather obviously. And by the way, who is also and Russia. Right. That that's exactly the point I was going to make. Who is the other big beneficiary? Who's supplying a whole lot of Europe with their oil, if not the United States, with a massive surplus? It's clearly Russia, right? So we're dependent on OPEC. The rest of the world's dependent on OPEC and Russia. And what happens? You've got oil-producing Middle Eastern countries that are through their proxies in Hamas, launching unspeakable terror, and you've got Russia suddenly emboldened, launching an attack, and invading Ukraine. Yep. I mean, this isn't very difficult, but it does show the level of American naivete. Oh, well, we want green energy. Yes, of course. Everyone wants clean, green, renewable energy. In the interim, fossil fuels exist. Fossil fuels are necessary. Right. And fossil fuels can either come in the benevolent nation of the United States or the malevolent nations that we're now seeing attack their neighbors. But, but it's not a binary answer, right? I mean, we can do things. We can move, move towards EV while having yeah. other paths And we of have energy, been. Right? And we have been. I mean, my God, what's the fastest growing car company of the last decade? It's obviously Tesla. Yep. You know, it just, it boggles my mind the level of incompetence, frankly, that we've seen from American leadership. And this is where the politics comes in. I am an unabashed, unashamed conservative. I believe that the Biden administration has been on pretty much all fronts an unmitigated disaster. I don't want to speak for Dave, who handles the economics. I, but I, this- you know, I hit it down the fairway on purpose, right? I mean, our <laughs> clients are both Dems and Republicans, yeah. right? So I try to give a balanced view, so I appreciate that. But the reality is, is that this uncertainty, this instability does have the potential to impact your bottom line. We have seen remarkable relative stability and growth. We're seeing earnings coming out this week. We're going to see how the markets respond to that long anticipated Israeli invasion of Gaza. We shall see. All we can say for now is stay tuned and make sure you know what you own and why you own it by heading to AnnexWealth.com for a review of your portfolio. It's free. It's called a wealth metric. It's available at AnnexWealth.com. For Dave Spano, president and CEO of Annex, I'm Dan O'Donnell saying thanks so much for listening to this week's edition of The Difference. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of this podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be considered as tax, legal, or investment advice or recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast. 